Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So, to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you. And treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So, what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device, subject to change. S24 plus 256 GB offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The purpose of my life at that point in time was to experiment and do it as madly and, and, and crazily as possible without any limits. And I did it. Ah, welcome to another Aussie Confidential. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. And today we got something special. We got a multi-linguist. We could do this interview in, in, in Swedish. We could do it in German. We could do it in English. I, I think we'll default to English. Uh, former beauty queen. Former Swedish royal. Tracked her down outside of Stockholm in a town called Eskatuna. Worldwide Nietzsche scholar. I'm not finished. 
Did I mention the Swedish royal part and the beauty queen part? I think I did. Did I mention the PhD and the work with uh, 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 on Nietzsche? Did I mention that? Or the professorial gig at a Tony East Coast University. But then things got stranger, stranger. But, you know, we're, we're going to let her tell it. Let's call her up, see what she has to say. Ladies and gentlemen, one Ms. Josephine Knockoff. Hello? Josephine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You, <laughs> you, you can hear me. So we, we are 6,000 miles away. Now, now, where are you exactly? Give us, give us a location. Like, where are you physically in time and space? I am uh, located about the same uh, latitude as Anchorage, Alaska, Stockholm, a little bit um, east of there, in Eskilstuna, Sweden. So I, I mispronounced I mispronounced it terribly. I pronounced it Eskiltuna. Is is that wrong? Where, where I put the I put the emphasis in the wrong place. What is it? Say it again. Yeah, Eskilstuna, and Tuna Tuna is like town. Ah. Eskil's town. I would have I, I would have assumed it had something to do with canned fish. All right, all right. So all right, so l- 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 let's back up a bit. Let let let. I gave you an intro. So you got you so you got, you got the rocket ride through Stanford. You end up getting the PhD from was it University of Pennsylvania? Do I have that right? Yeah. So now after you get the PhD, I don't know not having a PhD myself. I I, I don't is it like the army you go where they cho- they you know, where you get an assignment as a tenured professor? How does it how does it work academically speaking? So you got your PhD, you're in the University of Pennsylvania. You have to pick where you go next. Do they pick you? Do you pick them? What? How did it happen? Oh, no, 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 no. I do not pick anybody. They pick me. We go to the APA convention, American Philosophical Association. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like a whorehouse. I mean, there are people just walking around prostituting themselves and getting interviews. And I did, you know, a few interviews. And uh, Wake Forest was the one that went really well. I did have a few other good interviews too, but they're the ones who finally ended up offering me the job mm-hmm. of assistant professor of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I was going to be their Kant scholar because Immanuel Kant was the philosopher that I did my PhD in his ethics, you know, the categorical imperative and act only in such a way that you can make your maxim into a universal law. That's what he's famous for. I'm sure you've read Kant, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. And, but I, now I got this confused. I think the, the Nehemiah's book threw me off because I assumed that it was Nietzsche. <laughs> no, no, I loved Nietzsche, too. I mean, I did. I fell in love with philosophy at Stanford. And I, I, I got attracted to the University of Pennsylvania as my grad school because partly because of Nehemiah's. You know, I did fall in love hard. I fell hard in love with Nietzsche when I was 18 and it was just like, Oh, this is, it just broke the shackles of all the whole political correctness stuff that was going on back then, 1983. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, I fell in love with Kant too. I mean, I, I loved philosophy and the university, university of Pennsylvania, uh, philosophy department had both a, uh, Kant scholar, Paul Geyer, who ended up being my, 
advisor, and Nehamas before he went over to Princeton. And when he did move to Princeton, there was like a whole camp of us, you know, trusty philosophy students driving over to Princeton every week to to go to his classes there. But I did take take some classes with Nehamas too. Right. He's a charismatic man. So so was Hitler, but <laughs> but that's a, I don't know why I said that. It seemed appropriate. But. <laughs> Uh, so okay, so you you end up in North Carolina, which is where Wake Forest is, right? So you've got from Sweden to California to North Carolina. That seems like a, a sort of culture mis- mismatch, but it could just be my northern bias, right? I am used to moving. I am a moving human being, and so it wasn't a big deal for me to move. But going to North Carolina was actually sort of traumatizing because of the strong religious element and the fact that Winston-Salem was a really small town and I stood out like a sore thumb. I did. I mean, not not in a bad way, but they they did pay attention to me. I'm not going to start looking like a a secretary just because I live in Winston-Salem. I you know, I had my blonde Madonna hairdo and my little mini skirts and I taught philosophy and I go into restaurants and be like, Oh, you're the new philosophy professor at Wizards. Mm. How do you guys even know me? I was thinking to myself. It made me very uncomfortable, but it was a small town and they did receive me well. They really did. That seems but, that seems to me to be a sort of a function of fame, right? Uh, like, so you were, I mean, was it uncomfortable? You were uncomfortable with the notice? It seems like it would have been pleasing. Oh, yeah, but I wasn't after fame at that point in my life. I was into um, the intellectual, you know, the scholarly uh, academic thing. I was not into people recognizing me wherever I went. You were there for how long? So you you move there. It's kind of traumatizing, but you're adjusting or you're not adjusting or what happens? I did enjoy teaching. I really did. And I got used to, you know, making a good name for myself. Mm-hmm. And the students loved me and I was a good teacher and the faculty received me really well. So it sounds, it sounds like a pretty good deal. Oh, it was a totally good deal. It was such a great deal. And if I hadn't, you know, and it, it's not really a matter of where of where I was. I would have probably felt empty and in need of something more anywhere in the world. No external uh, context could have cured my inner need. So what was going on? Tell me what was going on. I had this inner yearning for meaning. I uh, met a bartender who was uh, connected to the cocaine scene mm. because Winston-Salem is like, if you make a beeline from Florida up to New York, Winston-Salem is pretty much in the middle. Mm-hmm. So the, the cocaine shipments, they were pretty clean, you know, when they got to winston and through him, I started doing cocaine, mm-hmm. and it was that, that it was good shit. And 
we only did it in the weekends. And then he got back to his job, and I had my job during the week, but I only had to work, like, what was it, six hours a week? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had a lot of free time on my hands, and I did have a lot of money because my job, it was very well paid. I was expected to do research. I don't know. I have a quick mind. I did manage to do the research and teaching and a lot of cocaine. Mm -hmm. So it became kind of a 24-7 kind of activity for me. But you were teaching, so you were functioning, right? You were showing up, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was into my, what was it, second or third year teaching. Mm -hmm. It's a blur. But I did, I did start doing cocaine and teaching successfully. And I know they hate me um, for this. Uh, they they are really mad at me, the, the university, for doing the beans in this way. But I did function and I did really well, and the students loved me. And I. Um, so then, what 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 happened? How how, how did this? I mean, it's, it, it, sound, it sounds to me like that's a prescription for success. I mean, not one that everybody should use, but you're teaching, students love you, you're there, you've made a home in Winston-Salem. What's the problem? The problem became me. <laughs> I couldn't just snort, you know, do a few lines and, uh, out of my little baggie with my key bump. You know, no, I had a little baggie with a straw in the ladies' room before class. That wasn't enough. I turned to crack, and that became a lot harder to do in the women's room. But I still managed to do to smoke crack and teach. Um, bizarrely enough, would you, I did would manage you, would to you, do that. Would you go to your car or your office to smoke, or where would you go? No, I didn't. I, mean, I wasn't. I wasn't ever. You know, because people have these illusions about crack addiction where it's like you know you have to have it you have to have it like every half hour you go berserk it's not heroin mm. i mean heroin that's what you, you know you do your fix to get well crack you do it to you know have fun or to feel attentive and alert mm. and i was able to stay alert you know my problem was my nerves i had I, i've always been high strung and sensitive hypersensitive and the crack made me kind of relax but when i had to go to teach you know i i wouldn't wake up and smoke crack i woke up and went to class and taught and then i came home and smoked my crack mm -hmm. so it was crack is it's not a heroin drug it's not it's not a physical drug it's psychological mm -hmm. and i do not regret for one second my drug addiction. Mm -hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. Why not? Why not? I do not. And it was a trip into the underworld that my soul, uh, because I do believe in the soul now, <laughs> now that I don't do analytic philosophy, I get to believe in the soul. <laughs> uh, I don't have to be a materialist and a empiricist anymore. Um, my soul has this deeper calling and I was, pulled into this exploratory thing like I crossed the river Styx and went down into the underworld and I stayed there for a few years while teaching so 
So do you think that people you worked with had any sense at all or, or none? I had been caught with a DUI like a half a year earlier mm. and they found, a, you know, maybe a gram of shake like that I'd just forgotten in my purse because it was really shitty weed <laughs> and it was there, but that was the only drug charge I ever had. And I actually told the faculty about that mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, it's all good. Mm-hmm. But then when this person called and snitched me out, they're like, Oh, cocaine. And so then they made me, they gave me a drug test. I was like, well, you know, I really probably, if I had known my citizens rights, I probably wouldn't have taken it. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, whatever I did. <laughs> I did, and and I I did test positive, positive after uh, uh, ten days mm-hmm. of not doing any clock. I was like, oh no, I have to be. I should be clean, definitely clean by now. But the the um, uh, the drug tests are a lot uh, more uh, accurate when you're dealing with that kind of level of employer. Okay, so they find they find for sure that you're taking cocaine and, and what's their move at that point? Oh, well, then then the dean is like, you know, you have a, a choice, either resign or we fire you. So I resigned because that was technically uh, better for me, I think. Yeah, I I got the benefits. I got um a year actually of uh, almost a year of severance pay, mm-hmm. and I'd already been denied tenure. So the the actual amount of months that I was not without pay it, it was insignificant. Well, not insignificant. It was I did lose very little money from being fired, mm-hmm. but the honor and the shame has stuck with me like a huge stigma. It's like I am walking around still with this, this letter on my forehead, it's like former cocaine addict. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, even now as a social worker, I am scared of using my name, knockoff, which I just, um, I, I changed it back from my former husband. My ex-husband was Van Beck, and I had that as like a cover name. I was like, oh, yeah. They can't Google me and find out about my horrible history. Stay tuned for more of Ozzy Confidential, where the smart people go. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world. 
From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employer's respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. So if you resign, yeah. the next step, wouldn't the next step be that you try to get a, uh, another philosophy job or or at the very least get get the hell out of uh, uh, Winston-Salem? Like, why would you stay there? Um, I stayed there. Yeah, I was told to stop teaching uh, in May. And then I went to my first rehab, which didn't work. You know, the, the, the good thing about Wake Forest is they gave me the health insurance. Right. That's what kept me in Winston mm. was the health insurance. Because getting clean is not easy in the USA. It's, yeah. You know, here in Sweden, the state pays it. But right. there, you know, you have to be rich. You have to have a job to even get clean. I feel really sorry for people who are on drugs and do not have any kind of insurance that way. But I did go to that rehab, and it worked. But I did meet a guy that I kept in touch with, and he um, he went to his sober living environment in Charlotte, and I went back to Winston, and I was clean, and I was like all peachy for a while. And yeah, then Phil, the guy from the rehab that I that went to Charlotte, he relapsed. And got kicked out of his SLE, sober living environment. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, Josephine, can I come live with you? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, because sure. I, I can't say no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot say no to somebody in need. And so he came and lived with me. And, of course, then the drug abuse started. Mm-hmm. I mean, two addicts in one house. We're not going to stay clean off each other. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously, right. they're not. And and so we started actually, yeah, we started shooting cocaine. Mm-hmm. He was a diabetic, and he got free needles, and so that was like yet another step down mm-hmm. from smoking crack down to shooting cocaine. Mm. What's the difference in the experience? Oh my god. Ugh. Um. Well, if you want to know from snorting down to smoking or smoking down to shooting, well, you, you want to know shooting. Well, you you went from, yeah. you went from smoking to shooting. Yeah, shooting is uh, you're completely at peace and all your senses are vibrant and the auditory hallucinations are amazing and you're just like lying there smiling and everything feels so good I think that's the closest probably to what you know David Bowie was like talking about with heroin Mm -hmm. or something it's now I think I, I think I think cocaine was his thing as well during the, the the thin white Duke era. I think it was cocaine. So now now how are you? So now two of you guys are living there and went some stuff. How are you making money? Because ne- ne- neither neither neither, neither 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 one of you are working at this point, right? Yeah, but I still had my pay. That's the great thing about Wake Forest. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so sorry, you guys. My my philosophy department. Uh, People, I'm not going to call you by any names, but you guys funded my coke habit. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I did. I did have that paycheck coming in up until March. So it went from June to March on a, a full paycheck. <laughs> and I basically shot up the coke. I shot it up until the money ran out. <laughs> okay. Oh no, I, I'm not supposed to laugh. It's very tragic. But. <laughs> uh, well, what is supposed to be and what it is could be very different things. So, that, what happens when the money runs out? You know, I had done my share of prostitution <laughs> for really shitty pay. When? When? Ten is part and parcel of being a female drug addict, Eugene. You. uh Put it out or you don't get your drugs. At least if you're um, as gullible as I was. I mean, I had I had a few girlfriends who... I, I No, I'm not even going to... I'm not going to get involved in their sex lives or what they did with dealers. But for me, the dealers, they expected to, you know, get a blowjob at least before they could even sell me any drugs. So the money's run out. You you go through hooker stripper, uh, you go you go through and then where do you end up? Well, then I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because I I believe that my coke addiction was partly maybe sex addiction, mm. and uh, I'm not ashamed of that. I don't regret it. You know, for me, I, I if I had. I never considered myself a prostitute. That's the bizarre thing about the term prostitution. I, um, apparently, okay, this is how I have come to see this. I felt so ashamed about doing drugs that obviously, clearly, I had to do all kinds of demeaning things with my own body in order to get drugs. And I, 
who would I have been to uh, expect anything in return? Because I am just a addict and, and a whore and a, a, a female. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. So Josephine ends up in a better rehab, a nicer one, a better fit, a 28-day program. And she emerges from it clean. But what we don't know is that Phil... The guy that she'd been shooting up with in North Carolina had somehow put together the wherewithal to follow her 3,000 miles and is there when she gets out. So the first thing we do when I got out of rehab was get a six-pack of Budweiser and sit there at the boardwalk and look out at the ocean and 
drink our beers. And then, uh, oh, I really have to go into this. Yes. He got jealous. I mean, he was an ugly drunk. I was not, I, you know, and so he, uh, one, one night there, he got jealous. He thought that I was flirting with a guy and he just grabbed my head like a potato sack and slammed me up against the marble pillar. Uh, uh, very edged edge. And uh, my skull cracked open. It's like there was blood all over the pavement. And uh, I was kind of like standing there, there's blood dripping everywhere. And then the ambulances were there and the cops. And I ended up getting like 16 staples in my head. And I hear them rolling him in at the ER too. He's like, Josephine, Josephine, I'm so sorry. I was like, I, I only want to say is you are, I, you are forgiven, but I didn't have the energy to say anything. And the cops, while they were interviewing me there at the, uh, at the hospital bed, they were like, this is the ugliest domestic violence incident we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. There was so much blood. So, yeah. And a few weeks later, I don't know. No, it's a few months later. I mean, I, I got into a new SLE. Phil got into his other SLE. And I stayed clean. He did not. He started shooting heroin. And suddenly he died of an overdose. And I just fell to the floor when they called me in the morning. I was just crying. And, and it was very bad. Mm. And I was like, you know, yeah, that's that's what drugs can do can do to a person. Right. How old was he? He was about forty two. Mm-hmm. So was this a, was this did this did, like in in movie terms, this would have served kind of as a as a wake up call for you to change your ways. I mean, in movie terms, is that what happened in real life? Or yeah, it did. That's right. It did. It totally did Mm. that's right it made me just be like okay even though heroin was not my drug of choice and I know he drank heroin he drank a lot of vodka and combined it with heroin which will kill a person Mm. Uh, like relapsing on cocaine was not even you know in my list of choices by then Mm -hmm. because I, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go there. And then, and then I kept going to AA and and started started feeling strong in myself and yeah, happy. Good. I started being happy. Mm-hmm. I could be happy, which was something I hadn't been like genuinely mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. So that sounds good. That's yeah, happiness is a real tricky thing. Uh-huh. So you're clean, you're feeling happy. Um, this sounds like a good thing. It sounds like a positive, super healthy development. You're clean, there's a clarity, um, right? Things continue to get better from there or or, or, or not? Yeah, I, I was loving life. I was living in a beautiful SLE up in Santa Cruz Mountains and... Yeah, and then I fell in love with the father of my oldest daughter, nice. Jake. A mutual friend introduced us. Mm-hmm. 
and we started to hang out, you know, very innocently in the beginning, just like doing bike rides in the sunset, like along the um, coastline. Mm -hmm. It was very romantic in the beginning. It's like very romantic. Mm -hmm. And it was peachy keen for a while. He uh, was HIV positive, however, mm. and I kept on <sighs> pretending like I was immune to HIV, which I don't know if I am, but I believed I was. So that would give me an excuse for uh, having unprotected sex with Jake. Uh, because Jake was afraid that I would break up with him because of this. Obviously, you know, I mean, who wants to keep a HIV positive boyfriend? But I did. I was like, I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. It's for me, life is about taking risks. You have no idea what's going to happen. But I've always uh, taken risks. I am a huge risk taker. You unburden him, essentially. You say, I love you. Uh, the, you know, I probably wish you could have told me sooner. Maybe you said something like that. I don't know. Uh, but you get you get by it, right? I didn't even think about holding him accountable. I didn't. I did not even go there. There's something and like some conviction in my soul. That's all I can explain it through. My soul is just like you are. You you cannot be hurt. You cannot be harmed. Do it. Call it what you what you will. You know, you can call it crazy drug hounding, fiending, but there was this crazy pull of my soul just being like, it's okay to do this. And so I have a theory about why I did all this drug, sex, high risk taking. It was my life's mission. It's the purpose of my life at that point in time was to experiment and do it as madly and, and, and crazily as possible without any limits. And I did it. Mm -hmm. And I, I came through. <laughs> I'm not going to like advise anybody else to do it. But for me, I'm, you know, thanking God. Right. I'm thanking God and my angels and guides that they had enough contact to me to just, like, help me feel secure. Because at no point was I panicked about that. That's so bizarre, right? right. Like normal people would be like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. But I never, I never was. Huh. So, so, so now bringing this up to present, you, uh, you're living in, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, Escatuna. Yes, the sooner, yes. And and uh, and the happy mother of two kids. Things seem to be okay, right? Oh, they are so well. All right, and they are like they are brilliant, sensitive, artistic. And, and so, and then uh, in when you got back to Sweden, Jake was with you, or no? I left Jake. I left Jake with Sophie in my belly. Mm. I left. I left with a child in my stomach in order to give birth to her here in Sweden and have full custody. I do not do romance very well. Mm -hmm. 
So at this point, I'm pretty happy being single. But at the same time, uh, my heart is open and <laughs> yeah, I look good anyway. Let me guess. You got a few other questions. All right, in short order, let's go through them. One, uh, Josephine apparently is not HIV positive. Uh, unbeknownst to me, never heard it before, Swedes, because of how smallpox had ravaged the country hundreds of years earlier, have a genetic uh, 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 disposition to be HIV resistant. Who knew? You could look it up. It's there. The father of her first child has actually met his daughter. The father of the second daughter, who lives in Sweden as well, is involved in his daughter's life. And Josephine herself, despite having the PhD in philosophy, is working toward completing a master's that will allow her to start a business that helps low-income single mothers in Sweden. Now there's your hallmark ending, eh? Eh? Yeah. Next up on Ozzy Confidential, we'll find ourselves standing in the middle of the Tenderloin in San Francisco, a neighborhood that harkens back to, on occasion, uh, Times Square back in the 70s. It's not a red light district exactly, but it's, it's not the kind of place you expect to find what we found. Heinrich von Arendt, a man dressed up in fully accurate SS Nazi officer gear. Huh? What? Exactly. Ozzy Confidential is produced by, who else? Me, Eugene S. Robinson, and executive produced by Robert Kulos. And this episode was sound designed, edited, and mixed by Jamie Kahn and Nick Johnson. For more Ozzy Confidential, check us out on Ozzy.com. That's O-Z-Y dot com slash confidential. Thanks. <laughs> well, that's more stuff I know that's not in the story. <laughs> <laughs>